0: that leaders were being equipped we see a, a a unity coming among the followers of Christ we see the expansion into the gentile world and here this morning we see that the early church was a place of prayer you see they prayed because they believed in the power of prayer. That's what we see in Acts chapter 12. That's what we're going to look at this morning. But let me give you an overview, because the the culture here in Acts chapter 12 has picked up a bit. Uh, A ruler by the name of Herod has taken control, and, and he has arrested James, the brother of John, and he's put James to death. And persecution has started to happen, and, and the people kind of like it, and so King Herod becomes a little more popular after this. And so he gets an idea, well, I'm going to arrest Peter and, and capture Peter, and we'll do the same thing to Peter. We'll, we'll, we'll get this for what it's worth. And then he knows, though, that Peter has this tendency to escape from prison. <laughs> so he's, he's going to be careful. He's gonna put four squads of soldiers. Four a squad is four, so that's like 16 soldiers uh, to guard this one prisoner who hasn't even done anything. And so it it's pretty serious, actually, uh what's happening here and the early church, you know, they're aware and they have uh they've they've come together because it looks like a hopeless situation against all odds. What is the possibility? of any kind of miraculous escape. Well, let's see what the church does. It is Acts chapter 12, and let me invite you to follow along. Acts chapter 12, we will read through the verse, the first 19 verses of this story. It is Acts chapter 12, I'll be reading from verse 1. It was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. When he saw that this met with approval among the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the festival of unleavened bread. After arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. And the chains fell off Peter's wrists. The angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals. And Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me, the angel told him. Peter followed him out of the prison. But he had no idea he had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. They passed the first and second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. And it opened for them by itself. And they went through it. And when they walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. Then Peter came to himself and said, Now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen. When this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. Peter knocked on the outer entrance, and a servant named Rhoda came to the door to answer. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed, she ran back without opening it and exclaimed, Peter is at the door. You're out of your mind, they told her. But she kept insisting that it was so. They said, it must be his angel. But Peter kept on knocking, and when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Peter motioned with his hand for them to be quiet and described how the Lord had brought him out of prison. Tell James and the other brothers and sisters about this, he said, and then he left for another place. In the morning, there was no small commotion among the soldiers as to what had happened to Peter. After Herod had a thorough search made for him and did not find him, he cross-examined the guards and ordered that they be executed. So here is a picture of a church that believes in the power of prayer. The situation looked impossible for Peter, against all odds, and yet the church was earnestly praying, trusting in God's power. On the night before Peter would likely be executed, God answered those prayers. An angel came to personally escort Peter out of the prison, and Peter Peter was so calm on the night that this happened. The night before his probable execution, he was so calm. Really, we just need to take note of that because this says a whole lot about Peter, that he could sleep through the night. Now, I don't know about you, but, but I can't imagine if I were on death row, we say, if my execution were the next day, that I would be sleeping so well. Now, I, I'm not, I've am not. i never had that experience, and I'm not going to sign up for it, but I suspect that I would be a little bit nervous, that perhaps I really wouldn't sleep at all. Now, what does it say about a person who can trust so confidently in God's plan that he can be out, out like a baby? Well, I don't know if that's really true, Donnie and Timmy. Babies really sleep that well. I know that's what they say. Peter was sound asleep, so much so that the angel had to get him up and tell him to get dressed and lead him out of the prison. It was, the whole thing is actually quite hilarious. But yet, Peter trusts in God. It, it all seems so much like a dream to Peter. Uh, and it wasn't until he was standing outside of the prison that he realized an angel had come to free him. And if all this wasn't enough in the story, if it wasn't unusual enough, we know that at the same time, the church was praying for Peter. Now, we don't know exactly what they were praying, uh, but I suspect they were praying for miraculous intervention. I mean, I don't, let me put it this way, I don't think they were deciding on the color of flowers for his funeral, or the color of casket, or they were praying for unity, or that the, the, the dinner after the funeral would go well. I don't think they were praying for that. I think they were praying that God would intervene, that God would do something miraculous, and that Peter would be spared, that he would be set free. Acts 12.5 says, they were earnestly praying the word here translated from, uh, from the Greek into earnestly actually means stretched out. It's, it's the same word that Luke uses to describe how Jesus prayed in the garden. So we're talking intense, fervent, life or death kind of prayer. The church is really praying. I mean, they're really praying. There's praying and there's really praying. They're really praying. And what Peter is fast asleep in prison, the church is engaged in serious prayer. And so that's why what happens in this story is so funny. It, it's, it's hilarious, actually. So, so the church is praying for a miraculous intervention, intervention. And, and God performs a radical miracle, and Peter is miraculously set free. All these miracles happen. The church is praying, and Rhoda goes to answer the door. She's so shocked to see Peter there. She's surprised, so shocked that he's still out there knocking. Hello, hello. Doesn't even, she's so excited she forgets to open the door. And so she runs back in, in her excitement, in her joy that, Peter is there. She tells everybody. Peter's still knocking at the door. Hey, Peter is there. And what do they tell her? You're out of your mind. How can it be, Peter? You must be seeing a ghost, his angel. Never mind the the fact that they were just praying that Peter would be released. What's up with that? Why? How is it that you can pray earnestly, fervently, really pray for something And not see it. You see, here's the thing. I think sometimes we get so caught up in the, the praying and the asking and the begging and the pleading and the, and the, the asking that we forget to look for the experience of God. We forget to look and see how God is at work, how God is answering the very prayer we pray. It's something that happens far too often in prayer, I think. I think we get so caught up in the 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 mechanism of it, the potential of it, the the asking of it. We get so caught up on our needs, our our fears, our concerns, our wants, our desires, our, our realities that and everything we want out of prayer, we forget to see that God's at work. In fact, we we kind of misunderstand. The reality of prayer—it's—it's it's a little bit like the—the the story of the guy. He was—he was late for a very important meeting, and so he drove uh, as fast as he could to get to the meeting. And unfortunately, there were no parking spots. So it was probably it was here, in Deborah said, because it's hard to find parking spots here sometimes. And so he's late for his meeting, and he—he he, he says, "Oh Lord." I need a parking spot, he prays. Lord, I'm not really much for coming to church, but if you find me a parking spot, I'm gonna start coming to church. And as soon as he prays that prayer, a car pulls out of a spot right in front of him. And so the, the guy prays, he says, Never mind, Lord, I just found one. <laughs> you say it? It's true, isn't it? Sometimes we could be so short-sighted in our prayers that we're so focused on our agenda, we miss God's agenda. We miss God's work. And so that's, that's why this story in the book of Acts is so comical, but yet so important for the life of every church. You see, the church is busy praying and, and the answer is it's just knocking at the door. The story of Peter's miraculous escape from prison reveals that our Heavenly Father is willing and wanting to answer our prayers. You see, He wants to do the miraculous in our lives. It is in His heart, it is His nature to do the impossible. That's the nature of God. But yet, He delights, He delights in answering our prayers. But yet, there is so much more to prayer than just getting an answer. Do you, do you realize that? that prayer is so much more than just about asking and receiving. Prayer is greater because prayer is about relationship. I think that's why God uses a little bit of humor to get attention in this story, to teach us about prayer. And it's important because we can get confused about prayer. In fact, sometimes I think that people, even church people, have more misconceptions of prayer than we do really have a good sense of what prayer really is. I, I sometimes think of mis- some common misconceptions of prayer. I, I like to put them in a, a few categories. One category of of misconception prayer is what I call the vending machine approach. You know what a vending machine is? You you go up, they have them at the university, you put a coin in, or now you can just use your credit card and stuff. But you you put a little money into the machine and you get a Soda pop. You get a drink. You get a snack. And so people kind of think of prayer like that. Well, Lord, uh, I really need some help on this test. Uh, if you help me with this test, I'll I'll give more in the offering on Sunday. I promise. Uh, Lord, I I see that. I, I see that, uh, 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 I got these bills coming in. I need your help. Lord, if you help me pay these bills, I'll, I'll, I'll start being regular in my attendance. And so we, we put in a coin, cha-ching, out comes a prayer request. And so we have this idea that prayer can be like a vending machine. Or another misconception is what I call the, the first aid approach. Or the fire extinguisher approach is so that we don't really pray much until something happens. There's a fire in our life. Lord, uh, I got, I got a problem in my marriage. I, I got a, a relationship challenger. I, I, I got a situation at work that's so hard, Lord, and, and I don't pray much. But today I ask, I need your prayer today. And so it's, it's only comes out. The prayer only comes when there's an emergency. And so it's, it's never a, it's a, only a last case. Resort. We don't, we don't pray first. We only pray at the end. If, if everything else we've tried fails, I call it first aid, fire extinguisher approach. There's one more misconception I think Christians often fall into when it comes to prayer. Is what I call the treadmill approach. It's the idea that prayer is a little bit like a muscle and you got to get it in condition. And, and the harder you work at it, the more successful you be. So you you go to the gym, the prayer gym, one morning, and you think, I'm gonna start praying. And you you climb up on the prayer treadmill and you hit start praying here. You hit that button, and then the treadmill starts to go, and you start praying, and you start running, and you think, Oh, I'm gonna try some intervals. You press the button and it picks up a little bit faster, and you start praying harder and harder. You you do more praying, you you pray longer. You go to more prayer meetings, you start praying, but but you look and you've never made it anywhere. All you're doing is just Spinning your wheels. You're running on the prayer of treadmill trying to work your way into an unanswered prayer. But prayer is not like that. It's a misconception to think that your prayer depends on your work and your success. Because prayer is not about that. Prayer is ultimately about relationship. You see, the truth is that prayer is one of the most important aspects of our faith. It's not about getting something from God or as a last result to use if everything else fails. Prayer is firstly and most importantly about our relationship with God. That's what it means when we read in places like 1 Thessalonians 5.17 it tells us we should pray without ceasing. It means that we live and we breathe prayer. We live and we breathe out of our relationship with God. It's no coincidence that when you read the New Testament, when you read the Gospels about the life of Jesus, Jesus was always praying. I mean, he was he was off somewhere on a mountain praying. The disciples, half the time, they couldn't find where he was because he was praying. He was out praying. He would get up early in the morning. He would go somewhere and he would pray. He would be out late at night. He would be praying. Because it was important for Jesus to spend time with the Heavenly Father, His Father, talking and listening and sharing. Jesus gained energy for ministry and life through prayer. And if Jesus gained energy for life and ministry through prayer, shouldn't we also? Jesus lived deeply and fully within the reality of prayer. And so, Prayer is, is ultimately about relationship. It's about spending quality time with God. It's about talking, but more importantly, it's about listening. It's about sharing and trusting. It's about enjoying the presence of God. When was the last time you prayed just to enjoy the presence of God? When was the last time you prayed without actually asking for anything? You see, prayer about experiencing the presence of God and life with God in control. Listening to Jesus is an important part of the Christian life, and the Lord wants to speak to us in prayer. And and we have the privilege of listening. I like how William Barclay, he says, "Um, prayer is not the way of making use of God Prayer is a way of offering ourselves to God in order that he should be able to make use of us. That's a great perspective. Jesus said it this way in John chapter 10, verse 27, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. Prayer is ultimately about a relationship in which we share, but more importantly, listen to God. And prayer is also about expectation. You see, the early church, they had a they had a good prayer life. They met together and, and they prayed. And more importantly, they met together so they could pray. They prayed for God's will. They prayed for each other. They prayed for God's work. They prayed for God's intervention. And they expected that God would work. When I studied this this week, I... I I began to feel a little convicted, actually, uh, because I know I know that prayer is important, and we here uh, at the church we've been you know I forget how many months we are about five six months now uh, as a church family, and we we have been praying when we we worship we pray when we have Bible study we pray when we have leadership meetings we pray when we have fellowship and food together we pray and and when we meet we pray but. Do we meet to pray? And I realized, no, not yet. We do not yet have a meeting where we go to pray. And so this morning at nine o'clock, and I think I'm going to do this every week, uh, it's going to be an occasion where if you want to meet to pray, we're going to do that. Uh, We're going to pray for each other. We're going to pray for the church. We're going to pray for God's work. We're going to pray to see God here in Deborah. And we're going to pray for miraculous events. We're going to expect bold things, great things from God. You see, the church in Jerusalem was, was experiencing a moment where they were praying earnestly. You know, I have to believe that that they struggled a little bit with their expectations. Now, James, the brother John, had, had just been executed. And I think they probably prayed for James. I think they probably did. But yet, they were probably disappointed because the prayer wasn't answered in the same way. You know, that sometimes we struggle with our expectations because somewhere along the line, we've prayed for something and we're disappointed. I mean, it's true. Sometimes God answers our prayers just the way we want, and sometimes he answers them in a different way than we expect. I mean, we see this throughout the Bible. Uh, sometimes prayers are exam- answered exactly uh, as, as they requested. Abraham's servant prayed for God's direction in finding a wife for Isaac, and God led him to Rebekah. Uh, Moses was standing before the Red Sea with the the... With the Egyptians coming after him, and he prayed for deliverance, and God provided a way. He parted the water. David was standing before a giant named Goliath, and he prayed for strength, for victory, and God answered that prayer in a powerful way. We see that throughout the Bible, but we also see occasions where people pray for and receive something different. Moses begged and and prayed for the Lord to let him lead his people in the promised land, but God had other plans. Paul prayed that the Lord would remove the thorn in his flesh, but the Lord left it there and used it for his purpose. The truth is, God doesn't always answer our prayer as we want, and that is a good thing because in God's omniscience, he knows what is best. He knows the way that is best for us, and God always wants the best. Maybe not in the ways we expect, maybe not in the way we want, but he always responds in the best way. I remember a prayer group. We had uh, at our church in Detroit, and we had a group of men who we would meet every week, and we would we would gather to pray and have coffee, and uh, we we started praying for each other. And one of the one of the weeks, a, a guy by the name of Bill, he he comes and he says he says, "Fellas, I want you to pray for me because I don't have enough time in my schedule." I, I want to serve God more. I want to be more on mission with Christ. I want to do more for the Lord, but I'm, my schedule's too busy. And, and so we all started praying for him. We, we were praying for something big to happen. You know, we were thinking about that story in the Bible, in the book of Joshua, where God gave the, the, the army. He gave the people more time uh, by, he actually took the sun and he just made it stand still. So I guess maybe the earth had to stop rotation to think about that scientifically but that was that was he did it god actually figured out how to put more than 24 hours in a day so that the army could finish up the work they could finish the battle and and we're thinking boy wouldn't that be super cool he could do that for bill so we start praying and man we prayed really that we prayed really well that that week we prayed that god would give bill more time so the next week we come back to prayer and Bill has an interesting expression on his face. He says, well, God answered the prayer. Um, not in the way I expected. I, I lost my job. But God answered the prayer. He's, you know, at first it took him a couple weeks to work through that. But, you know, it wasn't but a month or two later that Bill said, you know, that has been one of the greatest blessings of my life. Because he opened up another door for another job in which he had more control, a little bigger salary. And guess what? He had more time to serve the Lord and live on mission. I can tell you all the things he did. He became our music director at church. He became a leader on our church ministry team. And it's all because he and a group of guys had the audacity to pray that God would do something bold. Can you do that? What do you expect that God will do in your life? Can you expect that God will do the impossible? God doesn't want you to play it safe, and he doesn't want you to pray it safe either. God wants to work in incredible ways in your life, and he wants you to have expectations. One of my favorite images uh, about this is, uh, it's an image that, uh, Pastor John Piper, he describes. He says he likens it to, uh, like a walkie-talkie, you know, back in the days where I think about soldiers, you know, they, they would be out on the field fighting and they'd have walkie-talkies. And, and imagine you got a, you got a field commander. He's kind of there out there with you. And that's, that's Jesus, of course. And, and he gathers you around. He says, he says, troops, you've got an important mission. And, and the general, this has come straight from the general, and he's got a mission. You need to go, and you need to, you need to, be, to bear fruit. You need to share the good news, and, and you're going to go on mission. But here's, here's what you need to know. You're going to have a walkie-talkie with you that's going to put you directly in touch with the general. And, and the general is going to tell you what you need to do. He's going to tell you where you need to go. He's going he's to give you the conditions of the land. And, and if you're in trouble, you need air support, you just tell the general. And he's going to be right there. So you go into battle. You got you got the walkie-talkie. You got the phone with the general on the other line. He's right there, ready to help, ready to jump in. But I love that image. I love that image of prayer because it, it's exactly what we need when we live on mission with Christ. If you are out living your life ready to serve God, ready to, to sacrifice, ready to serve, ready to to Invest everything you have in the kingdom. God has got your back. He's got you. Now, let me tell you this, though. If, if you are the kind of person who would just rather, um, what do we say, veg with our phone all day, uh, watch movies, stay safe inside your nice apartment. Uh, if, if you're not one to go out on mission much, you're not going to pray very much because you don't need him. But if you're going to live your life on mission, be ready to experience some pretty powerful prayers. Be ready to see God at work in the most powerful ways because you depend on prayer. That walkie-talkie, it's going to come in handy. You're going to be on it all the time. Hey, Lord, I I need some help here. Lord, show me where to go. And you're going to listen. You're going to listen as if your life depends on it because that's the power of prayer. God doesn't want you to Play it safe with your life. And he doesn't want you to pray safely either. He wants you to pray with bold expectations because God wants to work in incredible ways. And and he wants you to see just how possible God can make any impossible situation become. Do you believe that God can do the impossible in your life? Do you believe that God will respond to your prayer. Let me encourage you this way. Test him in it. Spend time in prayer. Ask him to send you on mission. Expect God to do great things in your life and watch God at work around you. Look and wait to see what or who's going to come knocking on the door ready to answer that prayer. Lord, we are so thankful. We are so thankful that you are faithful. And in this life to which you have called us to live on mission, to, to serve and to walk in your plan and to, to be part of your mission, Lord, we are thankful that you, we have, you have given us your word in, that, in prayer, in that relationship with you. You are faithful. Lord, there is no situation too difficult. There is no impossible situation. There is no sickness too great, no relationship too broken, no uh, financial uh, picture that's too poor. Lord, because you are the provider, you are the healer, you are the fixer of all things. Lord, help us to depend on you in prayer every moment of every day. We thank you and we pray this in the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen.